0: Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Monday, last day of February. Already uh, a sixth of the way through the year, so to speak, here. Uh, Can you believe that? Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Glad to have you along here. On the inner life our program about spiritual direction that you hear every day on relevant radio and the relevant radio app i want to say especially thank you to patrick conley who sat in for me at the end of last week as i took a little bit of vacation time there spent it with my family and patrick always does such a wonderful job filling in Um, but i'm so glad to be back here today here on this monday now are you much of a fan of practical jokes if somebody pranks you are you the kind of person who laughs when you find out what's really been happening or are you the kind of person who maybe gets a little upset when you find out you've been the target of a practical joke? And I think there are really two crucial elements to successful execution of a practical joke. First, the joke actually has to be funny, right? It has to be funny and it can't cross that line where it becomes mean-spirited. But the second important aspect of a practical joke is knowing who you're pranking. You you have to know if they will actually laugh when that joke is over. And we're only just barely a month out from April 1st, a day that is dedicated to practical jokes in our society, right? The town where we used to live, our family, we had an ongoing April Fool's kind of battle or competition with another family that lived there in the neighborhood, you know, a few blocks away. Um, And when I say an April Fool's battle, it was all in good fun, nothing mean-spirited again. And the husband and wife, Cliff and Sarah, uh, for years, we would prank Cliff and Sarah and they would get us right back every single April 1st. And I think maybe the best prank that Cliff and Sarah ever hit us with was one that they actually set up before April 1st. That year, April 1st fell on a Sunday and they had a notice, uh, postcard from the office of the town where we lived, that they put in our mailbox. Now, many months earlier, Sarah, she had received this exact same kind of postcard in the mail, and it stated that construction road work near their house, it was going to take place over a certain number of dates, and that over two of those days, residential water could be turned off during this window of a couple of hours each of those days. Well, Sarah, she had held on to that postcard and then she replicated it. She created her own version of that and gave it to us, put it in our mailbox. And it looked perfect. It had the letterhead, all of the official you know, marks and looking parts there where they should be on that postcard. And we pulled it out of the mailbox there on that Saturday, March 31st. And on that postcard that Sarah had created for us, the length of construction was more than just a couple of days. It was for a couple of weeks and more than a couple of hours each day where the water might be turned off, it said that residents in our area would potentially have their water shut off from 7 a.m. until 4 p.m. every single weekday, anytime during that window for all five of those weekdays for the next two weeks. So we had that, and then on top of that, that Monday, April 2nd, that was the start of our kids' spring break. And so, my wife and I, we start thinking, oh, we're going to have our kids home. We're going to have people who are wanting to sleep in because it's their spring break, but then they're going to want to shower and we're going to have to cook food and we're going to have to, you know, just basics using the bathroom, washing dishes, all of those things that require running water in your home. We've got to figure out a plan here. And so, we start kind of talking it through and we come up with some different things. Okay, we'll go, you know, get everything set up we need. Well, the next day, Sunday, April 1st, cliff he stopped by our house and he had a couple of his kids with him and he walked up carrying a case of bottled water i was outside doing some yard work around the house and so i saw him as he's walking up with this case of bottled water and he said hey i brought you a little extra for this week and i was a little surprised because they lived far enough away from us they shouldn't have the construction impact them but i just said oh somebody must have apparently told you We're going to have construction in the area. That'll shut off our water. And Cliff just smiled and said, yeah, that construction isn't really happening. Sarah, she made that postcard. That's your April Fool's prank. And I started laughing and laughing and laughing. I thought it was a great, great prank for us. But after such a good prank, Cliff and Sarah pulling that on us, in the years that followed, we were always a little bit more on our guard. If something was a little out of the ordinary, Something, even a day or two before April Fool's Day, my wife and I, we'd be a little suspicious, trying to figure out, trying to discern if whatever it was, if it was genuine or if it was some sort of joke, some prank that might be coming from Cliff and Sarah. What were the signs? What were the indications that this was something legitimate? Or were there clues that tipped us off that there might be a practical joke in the making? Now, that kind of discerning trying to recognize where something is coming from or who's behind it. Of course, this isn't something that should be limited only to April Fool's Day. This is a principle that we should apply regularly in our lives and, of course, in our spiritual life, discerning if what lies in front of us, what we're experiencing, is it from God or is it from the enemy? What are those signs? What are the indications? What are the clues that can help us discern what is really from God? And that's what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life. And joining us is our spiritual director for the hour. Father Tim Gallagher is with us. He's a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. And Father Gallagher is the author of several books on discernment of prayer, uh, discernment of spirits and prayer. And he currently holds the St. Ignatius Chair for Spiritual Formation at the St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver. Father Gallagher, so glad to welcome you here to The Inner Life today.
2: Thanks a lot, Josh. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, so discernment of spirits, we want to talk about this, and this is something where it goes back to St. Ignatius of Loyola, really where we have kind of a refinement of this idea, but if this is a a, a phrase that somebody has never heard of before, can you give us kind of a high-level, maybe a 20,000 look, at what this idea of discernment of spirits is before we start diving into the specifics?
2: Sure, yeah, it's... um... It's something that we all experience in the spiritual life. So we recognize that there are times when there's spiritual energy. You know, when prayer is alive, we feel God's closeness. Scriptures speak to us. Mass uh, feels nourishing. Uh, We're ready to take new steps to grow in prayer and in living our vocations. But if we're honest, we'll also recognize that there are times when the opposite seems to be the case. And then it's hard to feel God's closeness. we don't feel nourished by our prayer, and if I may say this reverently, at such times maybe we don't pray or we're not happy with such prayer as we do. And all that energy for growth is gone. These these ups and downs are going on all the time, and as, you know, I can say, Josh, I've been teaching this for 40 years now. I've never, When I've uh, shared what I've just said, I've never once had a person say to me, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, everybody does. This is daily experience in the spiritual life. And precisely because it's daily, which is where the spiritual life is lived, it's very important to understand what's going on in these ups and downs, what is of God and what is not of God in it, and then to know how to respond to it. So Ignatius of Loyola crafted a set of 14 practical guidelines. He calls them rules to help us understand this experience and to respond to it which is wonderful, because then we know what's going on. It's always happening, but we don't often understand it. Once we understand it, everything changes. And I've been watching this in people for, as I say, about 40 years now. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Well, and as you're talking about this, uh, you know, here uh, on different past shows, as, as we've talked about the concept of spiritual direction itself, a lot of times that would seem to be... Um, Where we are making a decision or a choice and we're trying to find where does God want us to go in that significant choice that we have in front of us. Whereas, while you're talking about discernment of spirits, it seems to be something we might be able to do on our own. You know, spiritual direction, we're asking somebody else to help us, accompany us, you know, be there, help us see where God might be directing us. But discernment of spirits, if we're doing that on a daily basis, seems to be something that we incorporate into our own personal spiritual understanding and journey.
2: Yes, you're, you're right on that, Josh. Now, what Ignatius has in mind in uh, teaching us how to discern, now let's. Go back to the original setting. Let's say a person who makes formally makes the Ignatian spiritual exercises. That person has regular contact with um, a competent spiritual director. But in in giving us that teaching in that privileged setting where we do have that kind of accompaniment, Ignatius intends that we, as we grow and learn more about discernment that we would be increasingly able to take this into our own daily lives. And that's especially true of discernment of spirits. And that's why, for example, I can confidently go into a parish, and maybe we'll have 200 people on a Saturday, and I can introduce them to this teaching. Um, They'll get it. They'll understand it. The only presupposition for understanding this is that a person have faith in Jesus and be trying in some personal way to live that relationship sincerely and then people will get it and they can begin to apply it that does not say that let's say in the other kind of discernment you mentioned discernment of God's will and choices that we face that it would not be wise to have that kind of accompaniment if it's available to us especially when we face major choices in our lives but yes this is very much meant to be something that can be learned so it's spiritual formation, it can be learned, and then a person can begin to practice this in his or her own life. And we don't begin as masters, just as we don't begin as masters of prayer or anything in the spiritual, or anything in life. But by faithfully pursuing this, a person grows. And um, I'm not exaggerating when I say it, it can be life-changing.
0: Well, and as you're saying, it can be life-changing here, and, you know, we have to start someplace. I guess a couple of thoughts. Um, One is that if we're we're trying to discern, you know, what is from God and what is not from God in our daily lives, we could start out saying this—we might come at it from a place of worry or concern. We might be frightened that if we don't figure out exactly how God is speaking to us, or where God is leading us, or you know, am I in line with where God wants me to be? We might be worried because if if we're off target, our life might be miserable. Or we're worried that you know, while we're trying to grow in holiness, uh, we have these moments of discouragement that can make us think we might be doing something wrong or we're on the wrong path. But Understanding this concept of discernment of spirits really should kind of bring a a much different attitude out of us. It should bring us hope and encouragement in our spiritual journey rather than worry or fear or concern.
2: Yes, you're absolutely right. And if ever any approach to discernment of spirits did the opposite, that is, led a person to increased anxiety, then that's not the discernment of spirits that Ignatius has in mind. So a resounding yes to that, and I'll, um, I'll I'll amplify that through just one of literally thousands of examples. So I was going through these rules with a group, and uh, we got to Ignatius' second rule, where he identifies how the good spirit and the bad spirit work in a person who loves the Lord and is trying to grow toward God. Now that's going to be, I think I can reverently say that's going to be most of us listening now. Maybe all of us, we would wouldn't be listening to something like this if we didn't want to grow toward God. And uh, identifies then how the enemy tries—that's his preferred word for Satan, the the world, the flesh, and the devil—the classic triad. Um, How the enemy tries to discourage that person, and how the good Spirit, ultimately God, His angels, the work of His grace, and so forth, tries to encourage the person. So. One of the things the enemy will do, Ignatius says, when a person loves the Lord and is trying to grow toward God, his word is graphic in the Spanish, more there, bite, gnaw, just try to strip away the joy and diminish the, um, oh, the happiness of living the spiritual life and, um, and in the Lord. And now a woman came to me and she said, that changed everything for me to know that, because I had always heard this voice in my heart saying you don't pray well enough you don't live your vocation well enough you're not really uh, striving for holiness you're not very much of a mother and the wife and all the rest and I thought that was God's voice telling me the truth of my state and to know that that's not God's voice that that's the voice of the enemy trying to discourage me and that the only appropriate response to that is to simply reject it and dismiss it Changed everything in her spiritual life. Now that's just one of these fourteen rules, and w- one person's response to even one part of one of those fourteen rules. I love it when I have the chance to go through them all because light bulbs go on all over the place in people's lives, and they begin to understand things. And I, you know, I, I can feel it when I'm. Let's go back to the parish with two hundred people. As we get into the rules, a point comes when I can feel the room lighting. You can feel a sense of hope and encouragement uh, released among people, and that's that's why when uh, I wrote my first book on this, I used the biblical title "Setting Captives Free" from uh, Luke chapter Four, where Jesus goes in the synagogue and announces his messianic mission, you know, to proclaim good news to the poor to liberty to captives, and to let the oppressed go free and That's what always happens when people learn these rules, probably. You can tell in um, the energy with which I'm speaking. I hope that every one of our listeners, if you don't know these 14 Ignatian rules, will be motivated to to learn them. The resources are all there, and it will have the it will make the change in your life that it's making now in so many. This is spreading rapidly uh, throughout the church. I wrote the first book. Let's see now. That was 17 years ago. I could have never dreamed of how widely this would spread, and it continues to spread because people... You know, uh, one more thing Josh will say, and I'll get in there. This is all about hope and freedom from the discouraging lies of the enemy. There's so much of that discouragement, what Ignatius calls desolation, around now, and there are obvious reasons for it. So that a teaching like this becomes increasingly important in a way that I could have never foreseen those years ago when I first wrote it. I just really hope that everyone listening will be motivated to learn more about them.
0: Our spiritual director is Father Tim Gallagher, a priest of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary he's the uh, holds the St. Ignatius Chair for Spiritual Formation at the St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver and today we're talking about discernment of spirits here on the inner life and I want to open up the phone lines for your call 888-914-9149 is the number to call into the studio and be able to speak with Father Gallagher tr- 888-914-9149 how have you been able to recognize if it is God speaking to you, or maybe it's not God speaking to you, maybe it is the enemy, maybe there's something demonic that's happening there, and you're having that difficulty recognizing. Where is this coming from? Or maybe you've been able to make it through that and recognize, and it's helped you to grow in your faith. It's helped you to have that hope, that freedom that Father Gallagher is talking about. Uh, maybe you have a question about the process of discernment of spirits. You can call in 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. <music> Radio at relevantradio.com. And I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you with us for this hour as we're speaking with Father Tim Gallagher, a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher holds the St. Ignatius Chair for Spiritual Formation at the St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver. And we're taking your phone calls at 888 914 9149 as we're talking about discernment of spirits. How have you been able to recognize? What is coming from God and maybe what's not coming from God? What's coming from the enemy? Uh, how has that taken place in your life? What has helped you to recognize what is from God and what is not? And maybe you're having a difficult time uh, finding that clarity in your spiritual life, in those thoughts, those feelings, uh, what you're hearing in your time of prayer, uh, times that you're spending there trying to grow in your spiritual life trying to grow in holiness and you'd like to talk with father gallagher 888-914-9149 914 9149 and uh, father before the break you made a comment that you know with this concept of discernment of spirits none of us start as masters and which is of course you know going to be the case in so many different areas of our life you know there's there's very few things that we ever start as experts um for the person who is just learning about this, just hearing about this for the first time, you also mentioned the 14 rules that St. Ignatius lays out. Is that the best place to start, or is there is it better to have somebody kind of walk you through, give you a better understanding and explanation of maybe some of the depth of what St. Ignatius lays out in these rules, Um, helps to give you some context so that you don't maybe misinterpret some of what St. Ignatius is saying. Where do we start?
2: Well, is it okay, Josh, if I mention some of my own resources, which I've produced precisely for that purpose?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely, Father.
2: I would say yes, the place to start is with the 14 rules, but they're very densely written and they need to be unpacked so that a simple glance at them uh, will not reveal the richness, the full richness that is there. So um, yeah, there are abundant resources in more and more parishes and places and online. There are teachings on this. you know, programs in a parish for, for um, Wednesday night for six weeks and so forth. These kinds of things. So, if those are available, that's absolutely wonderful. If you um, find it difficult, or in any case, I've written a, a book on this called um, "Discernment of Spirits: An Ignatian Guide for Everyday Living," which will take you through the the rules in some detail. More recently, I've written a book that applies these 14 rules to the um, vocation of marriage, and that's entitled Discernment of Spirits in Marriage, Ignatian Wisdom for Husbands and Wives. I'll just mention on that that the nicest feedback I've gotten on that is when husbands or wives tell me that uh, they're going through it together and they're now speaking on a level that they've never spoken before in, in their marriage because what Ignatius does is he gives us a language to talk about Experience that we has been ongoing, but we've never even known how to put into words. With concepts like spiritual desolation and spiritual consolation, all that he teaches in the rules it opens up the possibility of personal understanding and then uh, actually conversation about these kinds of things. For people who learn, uh, you know, who, who listen to podcasts and talks on YouTube and so forth, if you go on the Discerning Hearts app. There's also the uh, website discerninghearts.com, but if you go on those, and these are free resources, if you go on those and uh, tap on my name when you find it, uh, a, a lot of different series of podcasts will come up, and one of them is called the Discernment of Spirits, and that I think it's a series of sixteen half-hour podcasts that will take you through uh, through the rules. That series is available almost any on any platform. If you go on uh, YouTube, you'll find them there with uh, a video accompaniment. Um, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, it's also on the Augustine Institute uh, forum. So that is about as available as anything could be. And it's actually a pretty good way to get introduced into this because um, I think many of us find that the spoken word uh, speaks to us in a special way. And then finally, if there are visual learners, I did this as a 10-part series on EWTN, and the DVD of that is available, and I think that's called Living the Discerning Life, um, something like that, and that's available through the EWTN Religious Catalog and and my own website. So uh, there's actually even a reader's guide to the first book I mentioned, The Discernment of Spirits, and Ignatian Guide for Everyday Living. Um, Just go on my website, go on Amazon, almost anywhere, and you'll find these resources and just dive in. You will be very glad that you did.
0: A lot of resources out there available for people. Well, uh, let's, uh, since we, you know, don't want to (laughs) just tease it and not talk about it in any sort of uh, depth here, let's look at some of these 14 rules that St. Ignatius lays out, and... uh, one of the things I like is he makes it kind of easy in those first two rules. You mentioned the second one in our last segment, um, but he really just says you're going to fall into one of two groups here. You, If you're somebody who is a spiritual person trying to understand what God is saying to you, if you're really not striving in your spiritual life, then you're going to fall in one camp. If you really are striving in your spiritual life, you're going to fall in the second camp. And he says, here's how God's going to try and work with you if you're in one of these two camps. And here's how the enemy, here's how Satan will try and work at you. You know, if you're in the first one where people who aren't striving their spiritual life, he's going to try and, Satan's going to try and keep you in that rut and appeal to you uh, that everything's good. Um, God's going to be the one kind of trying to get after you, prick your conscience. Um, but if you're resisting sin, then the enemy is going to be fighting against you, while God's going to want to be the one giving you encouragement, helping you to persevere. So w- we get just right at the outset, identify where you are in one of these two camps from St. Ignatius, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, Ignatius actually starts with the person as far from God as is possible, certainly thinking of his own life before his conversion uh, at the age of 30, and think of Augustine for, uh, before his conversion, or anyone who's living far from God and uh, in a life of serious sin. And as you say, what the enemy's going to try to do is to uh, instill a sense of, well, um, oh, this is pleasant, this is nice. And the way the enemy does that is through filling the imagination with images of sensual delights and pleasures. Obviously, that's very real in our culture today, because as long as the imagination is filled with such images, the person is very likely to continue to live in that direction, which is the enemy's purpose. But God loves all of his sons and daughters too much ever to let them go, and so I call the action of the good spirit here in such persons God's loving assault on the heart. Now it's it's the good spirit, and by good spirit we mean God himself. We mean the good angels, we mean the work of grace in our hearts, given to us through baptism, good influences around us. Um, th- what the Good Spirit is going to try to do is through what Ignatius calls sting and bite. And if I may say this with great reverence, if any one of us has ever lived in that situation uh, far from God, and we look back on it now, we look back with much gratitude on the, that trouble of heart that would never leave us in peace sometimes becoming almost anguish, which almost compelled us to make the happiest change the human heart can ever make, and that is to turn toward God. That's that's what the good spirit will do in such persons. But however, Ignatius, having clarified that, presumes people of the second rule. And as I said earlier, um, that's gonna be, I can't uh, speak um, universally, but that's gonna be our listeners. Um, People of faith and with all of our our human frailty, the just one falls seven times a day and there's a sacrament of reconciliation that we all need and so forth. But sincerely love the Lord and want to be faithful to the Lord. Everything's going to flip now. Uh, Now it's going to be the enemy who is going to try to hinder this movement. And uh, bringing that uh, sort of biting action that we mentioned, uh, bringing a sadness into the spiritual life, I just don't feel the same joy in prayer that I used to feel. Placing obstacles, it's you want to make a change, you want to grow in holiness, you want to be a better husband, father, wife, mother, uh, presence of the Lord in the world. Um, how many times have you tried? How long has it ever lasted? You know that you're too weak. You know, yeah, make your efforts, but it's not going to last. Very reverently, have any of us ever heard those voices when we've wanted to Let something go that isn't good for us spiritually, or take new steps to grow toward God. And we all have. You know, uh, Josh, when I uh, go through this, I repeat endlessly that there is no shame in experiencing these tactics of the enemy. There is no shame in that. We all do. It's just what it means to live the spiritual life in a fallen but redeemed and loved world. Everything changes when we begin to understand whose voice that is. And we know that um, it's not telling us the truth and we firmly reject it and go forward toward the Lord. So that's what you're going to get when we live the spiritual life. There is an enemy who will try to discourage us. There is a good spirit who will try to encourage us. And I should say on this, both actors, the enemy and the good spirit are real in the spiritual life and both are important, but they are not equal parts. Uh, the enemy is no more than a fallen creature. Certainly, of a higher order than we, but no more than a fallen creature. The good spirit is the infinite, omnipotent, infinitely loving, present God, and that's why this 14 rules. It's all a spirituality of hope.
0: Mm. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up too. That it's not something that we just have kind of in our mind. That um, that we don't walk into this with. This misconception that you know everything good is Jesus, but the equal and opposite bad is Satan, Um, because as you pointed out, we have the omnipotent Creator, and then we have a very finite, limited creation um, that make up the the good and the bad there for us. Uh, Moving on, though, um, just because we do have limited time here in the hour. After those first two rules, we come to the third and the fourth rules, and you've you've made reference to these uh phrases, these terms spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation that saint ignatian uh Saint Ignatius talks about in those third and fourth rules. Can you just help us understand these two concepts what they really mean because the rest of the rules all then hinge on our understanding of these two concepts
2: mm-hmm,
0: yeah. Um, Well, why don't we do it through an
2: example? I mean in the actual rules what Ignatius does is to give us a list of Experiences of spiritual consolation and then a list of experiences of spiritual desolation Well, let's just take those two terms Spiritual consolation. Consolation is a heart level word Uh, Feelings emotions and so forth and consolation is just the ordinary meaning of the world means an uplifting movement of the heart so joy uh, gratitude peace love, and so forth. And Ignatius is speaking about uplifting movements of the heart on the spiritual level. So let's say here is a woman who goes to daily Mass, and she's there at Mass this morning. Maybe she has some struggles of health, or there are problems in the family or financial worries, and her, her heart is um, is burdened by these. And uh, she participates in the Mass, listens to the readings. And the homily of the priest. And uh, something is said there that touches her heart. And she knows uh, in her heart that the Lord will be with her in this. And something is warmed there. She feels a sense of God's closeness and the surety of God's comfort and protection as she goes through these difficulties. If I may approach that reverently, because we're on holy ground there, she is experiencing what Ignatius calls spiritual consolation. And that is. Uplifting or happy movements of the heart, on the level of our relationship with God, on the level of the spirit, um, spirit spiritual life, on the level of faith. All right, let's take the same woman, and let's say she's. I'm just going to make this up as we go along here. Let's say she's a, um, a special needs teacher in the morning when her children are at school, and she teaches um, in at school there, and. Maybe this morning, um, one of the students is more difficult than usual. It's just very difficult to keep any basic discipline. She feels uh, discouraged, like she's not doing this very well. Uh, She gets back home in the the early afternoon. Normally, before she goes to uh, pick up the children after school, she has about an hour there. And it's a prayer time for her. She'll read scripture and uh, just pray for some minutes in a way that finds helpful she gets home and um, uh, goes on her phone there's a phone message which is also discouraging let's say that uh, some family member is um, is a tension let's say with one of the family members maybe her college age daughter um, so all of this is kind of discouraging she sits there at the table and in the kitchen alone and there's the Bible and she doesn't feel God's closeness she feels no energy for prayer There's a discouragement there, a sense that things are going badly. Okay, again with reverence, she is experiencing what Ignatius calls spiritual desolation, a heaviness of heart. So discouragement, sadness, grief, anxiety, and so forth, a heaviness of heart on the spiritual level. Now the fact that this woman experiences times of spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation is absolutely normal in the spiritual life. Uh, This is just ordinary spiritual experience. But everything will change for this woman. Let's say she sits there at uh, 1 o'clock in the the kitchen uh, alone. If she can recognize that she is experiencing spiritual desolation, that this is simply a discouraging lie of the enemy, and firmly, uh, maybe turning her heart to God in prayer, resists, and rejects the suggestion, because the suggestion there is, what's the point of praying? You know, just um, go on social media or whatever. And says, no, I'm going to pray in the usual way. And picks up the Bible and prays in the usual way. Probably that courageous choice, bolstered by God's grace, is already going to begin to break the spiritual desolation. But if she doesn't recognize the spiritual desolation, doesn't identify it for what it is, and allows herself to be swept along by it, uh, probably the rest of the day is going to be much more difficult for her, and it's going to be harder to pray. So that's you can see, Josh, it's on this very ordinary, undramatic, daily level of spiritual experience. That's what Discernment of Spirits is all about, that Ignatius wants to walk with us, help us understand what's going on, and above all, in the rules, beginning with Rule 5 to the end, the last 10 rules, give us concrete tools for responding well to this experience.
0: Well, and, and as you're talking about, you know, this woman that you're using as kind of this this uh, hypothetical example, you say, if she recognizes, that makes all the difference. How do we recognize? Is it just simply we have to be aware that this is how God will work in the the ways of spiritual consolation how the enemy will work in in the ways of spiritual desolation and just simply being aware of that is that first step to being able to recognize that this is what's happening in our spiritual life
2: yes awareness is the first step the second step is identifying what we've become aware of so the woman sits there at one o'clock in her kitchen and i love this in the spiritual life when people do this and she says and she's just about to just ignore the Bible and pick up the remote or go on the phone or whatever. And she says, wait a minute, that's the, that's the awareness. You know, there's something going on here that's not, that I need to look at. And she's able to say, let's say she knows the rules. You know what? This is spiritual desolation. That's the wonderful liberation because that sets her free to take action now about it, which is in this case, firmly to reject it. So uh, awareness is the first step. And I would say, in concrete terms, if the question is, how can I um, become able to be aware of and identify this spiritual experience, learn the rules. Go through them with the various resources, learn the rules, and you'll find yourself already on that journey. Because even as you learn the rules, you're going to start seeing, it's going to make all kinds of connections with what you've been experiencing. I guess I'll say this, just uh, I hear this all the time when I um, teach the rules. Someone will approach me and say, I wish I had known this, and you can supply the number of years, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. I love that when people say that, because what it means is the rules are really hitting home. People are really seeing the connection between what Ignatius is saying and their own experience. And what that means is things are going to be different going forward. You know, it's an amazing thing that 500 years ago, Ignatius was able to describe this kind of daily spirit, universal daily experience, was able to describe it so clearly, so succinctly and so effectively. It's it's a wonderful gift to the Church.
0: Well, you know, another thing that strikes me here as you're talking about this, if we're aware, if we recognize that, okay, those moments of spiritual desolation, those are coming from a demonic influence, from the enemy there. It's so easy in those moments to say, to pin it all on on yourself, you know, for me to say, uh, why am I not better about, you know, feeling, uh, you know, more engaged in my prayer time? Why am I not able to do whatever it is? And if in those moments I can recognize that, wait, This is a tactic of the enemy to try and get me out of my routine of prayer and that routine of the relationship that I have with Christ, trying to grow to know, love, and serve God in a deeper way. If I get away from why am I not, I think that really feeds into what you're talking about, that freedom that we experience. And we don't beat ourselves up so much. We can just say, okay, now I can recognize that this is something that is, you know, this is an attack that's coming on me. And I can, I can go through with not such a beat-myself-up attitude, but with a, right. I'm, I'm going to rely on God even more now in this moment.
2: That's such an important, central thing, and I'm so glad you've raised that. A way to express that is this. Spiritual identity, which is really the enemy, because the enemy is at work in this Spiritual identity will attempt to present itself as your spiritual, I'm sorry, spiritual desolation will attempt to present itself as your spiritual identity. That is, what you're experiencing, little desire to pray, not feeling God's closeness, being pulled toward things that may not be spiritually good for me, that's who you are. You are a person who doesn't love prayer. You are a person who is far from God. You are a person who gives in and so forth. Now, if we believe that, as you've just said, Josh, that gets pretty heavy, and that's where the, again you have this wonderful liberation to say no, spiritual desolation is not my spiritual identity. it's not who I am. It's simply a discouraging lie, a tactic of the enemy. It can be I can become aware of it, identify it for what it is, and reject it. And that's one of the many, many uh, of, of the huge ways in which what Ignatius does for us sets us free. Okay, I love it.
0: Our spiritual director, Father Tim Gallagher, a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, talking today about discernment of spirits. And our studio line is 888 914 9149, 914 9149. And you can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And uh, we're, of course, only a couple of days away from Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. I also want to encourage you, if you haven't done so yet, Sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. Father Rocky, our Executive Director here at Relevant Radio, he has uh, created um, audio recordings and some brand new video recordings that help you understand all the different aspects of the Mass, from the things that you see, um, some of the different vessels, the different vestments, um, the the, um, different things that are there in a church or a chapel, as well as all the words that are said some of the different things that we hear, some of the things that we respond with, why we say those, what the background is. It helps you have such a better appreciation and understanding of the Mass, helps you get more out of the Mass, and it's a wonderful way that you can go ahead and make your Lent even more meaningful. And all of these different Lenten lessons on the Mass sent to you daily, absolutely free. All you have to do is just register. Go to relevantradio.com or go to the Relevant Radio app, you'll see the banner there. Sign up on that Lenten Lessons on the Mass, and give us your email address. We'll make sure you get these every single day throughout the course of Lent, all the way from Ash Wednesday to Easter, and it really will help you have a wonderful uh, lenten season as you learn more about the beauty and the depth uh, the richness of the mass uh, again talking with father tim gallagher and we'll be back uh, with more as we're talking discernment of spirits the studio line to call in and join the program 888 914 9149 914 9149 more to come here after this on relevant radio and the relevant radio app back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. And uh, talking with Father Tim Gallagher today about discernment of spirits, how are you able to discern? How are you able to recognize those thoughts, those emotions, those feelings, the things that come to you throughout the day? Is that coming from God? Or is there something that's coming from the enemy there? how do you recognize that and then what do you do in those moments and if you'd like to join the f- program the number is 888-914-9149 888-914-9149. and father we've got sister elizabeth who's listening to us out in los angeles hi sister welcome to the program today
1: good morning Josh. good morning father tim
0: morning, uh, before
1: Christine. i ask my que- thank-, <laughs> thank you before i ask my question i want to mention that I was away from the church for many years before entering the convent. When I came back, I attended the now in Ryan Gardens, California. Your brothers, the oblate to the Virgin Mary, helped me mm. to understand that Jesus was not just a story in a book, that he loved me and that my sins were not greater than God's love and mercy. I, I did not know religious sisters, but it was the joy and dedication of your brothers, Father Tim, which made mm-hmm. me want to know about religious life. And I'm truly grateful. Be assured that you and all the Oblates of the Virgin Mary are my daily prayers. Uh, my question subject. is, <laughs> oh well, God bless you for all you do. Um, I'm so grateful. I consider myself a daughter. I'm a daughter of St. Maria Soledad, Um but also Father Lenteri. Um I always say I have him in the I wasn't a man, so I couldn't enter your congregation, but <laughs> but God bless you. Um my question is, could you please explain the difference between spiritual desolation and non spiritual desolation and how we should respond?
2: Sure. Yeah, great question, sister. So uh let's look at uh, let's say let's take a man who It works late, night after night, rises early, works uh, hard. After a couple of weeks of doing this, a heaviness comes into his life, which is uh, a form of desolation. And the heaviness uh, arises from the uh, lack of physical energy. So this is going to be a first experience of non-spiritual, simply means human, natural, emotional, psychological, physical, any of those words. And here is a woman, let's say, whose day at work is going well, and then in mid-morning another worker approaches her and says something negative about this woman's contribution to a project they're working on, and a, a certain discouragement comes into her day, uh, kind of grayness that starts to color the rest of the morning and so forth. She is experiencing a non-spiritual desolation arising from a depletion of emotional energy. So... Non-spiritual desolation simply means human or natural desolation. That is, when our physical or emotional or both energies get depleted, then there's a heaviness. Now, even though that's on the non-spiritual level and on a different level, it's just the distinction between nature and grace. Even though it's on the level of nature, on the non-spiritual level, that does not mean that that has no significance for what happens in the spiritual life because very often the enemy will work in our non-spiritual vulnerabilities when we're overtired or feeling depressed and discouraged and bring the further trap of spiritual desolation with its discouraging lies. All right, now we're, if we look at this on the uh, on the spiritual level... Um, well, it was a woman last time, let's make it a man this time. And um, he's, he's faithful, he loves the Lord, uh, He's growing in his spiritual life. But today, let's say he has a difficult conversation with his boss, and it's heavy and it's hard. And um, there are tensions at home. Let's say at supper, there's a conversation with his teenage son that doesn't really resolve very well. Now it's 10 o'clock. He's in his study. Normally at 10 o'clock, he picks up the Bible, reads for maybe 10 minutes, makes an examination of conscience. Let's say maybe even looks at the readings for the next day's Mass. So maybe about 15 minutes of prayer. And he loves this. Uh, it's a habit that uh, he has developed over months. But tonight as he sits there, now what I've described is non-spiritual desolation. There is something discouraging that's happened both at work and at home. And now as he sits at his desk, in front of one he, there is the Bible. Nothing in him wants to reach out for the Bible. He doesn't feel God's closeness, no energy for prayer. And in front of the other hand, there's the phone, and everything in him wants to reach out for it in a way that can become, one touch becomes 50, becomes 200, and can take him in places that are not good when he approaches uh, the phone feeling the way that he does. Okay, now what we have at this point at 10 o'clock is the spiritual desolation that the enemy has brought into a non-spiritual vulnerability. Please God, this man at 10 o'clock can say, wait a minute, um, this is not good, this is not right, you know, if he can identify it as the spiritual desolation, that it is, and firmly set it aside and pick up the Bible the way he always does at 10 o'clock, very likely that's going to be the beginning of the end of that spiritual desolation. So I, I hope those examples clarify what we're talking about, sister.
0: Father, that's a great explanation. And that really ties into that fifth rule. Just keep being (laughs) constant. Persevere in what you know you should be doing with your prayer life. Um, We are completely out of time here. I apologize to those who called in that we weren't able to get on the air. But Father, we'll have to continue this conversation at some point in the future. We've got about 20 seconds here um, before we wrap up. Could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude the hour?
2: Heavenly Father, we ask for your love and blessing and closeness to us all, and we ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Father Tim Gallagher, and again, you can uh, look online for his books dealing with discernment of spirits. Um, Specifically, you might look for The Discernment of Spirits, an Ignatian Guide for Everyday Living. And, of course, want to encourage you to stay with us here on Relevant Radio. Mass is coming up next, followed by uh, The Faith Explained with Cale Clark, and we'll look forward to seeing you back here on The Inner Life tomorrow.